Well, good morning, everyone. A little bit different look for the uh, for the uh, someone you should know program. Uh, we had a little bit of technical problems; those pop up from time to time. And uh, Mark Warner and the production studio are actually down this morning. We were down earlier today. We're back on, and that gorgeous-looking guy right uh, on the screen with you is Brian Ball, who is my special guest this morning. Brian, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Stuart. Well, we'll take care of just a little bit of business first, uh, and all, and then Brian and I are going to talk a little bit about uh, his life uh, in the military and out. Uh, so uh, I'm going to try this, this share screen thing with you because we are brought to you by uh, some of our dear friends. Uh, one of them is, uh, is uh, Christine Dean, who is our marketing guru. Uh, Christine knows everything there is to know about marketing and website design and can make the absolute very best out of your company. Uh, whether you need her services or not, uh, reach out to her. She will give you a free consultation. Take a look at your website. Talk to you a little bit about marketing. If she can help, fine. If not, you've just spent a nice uh, half hour talking to a very, very nice young lady. Uh, and she has been a very, very good friend of ours. And uh, we welcome her to the show. Also, uh, we're brought to you by Irving Chung, who is a franchise consultant. Uh, if you have ever ever even remotely thought about what the franchise game is all about, how much it might cost to get involved in a large franchise or even a small uh, service franchise, Irving has all the answers. There are some great new franchises coming on the market that you can get in on the ground floor. You can end up being your own, own boss and creating your own franchise empire. So you get in touch with Irving, uh, and uh, he'll take care of you real good too. And finally, we have a new a new uh, uh, sponsor of the program. And I'm really pleased to have No Sweat Experts uh, with us. Roy Cook and his staff uh, are absolutely magicians when it comes to uh, heating and air conditioning service and 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 supply. Uh, they can do it. They can do it for less. If you are a veteran or you are a teacher, you can reach out to, uh, to them because they give discounts. They also have a great four-time-a-year maintenance program, which costs less than some of the other companies for twice a year. So reach out to them. The phone number's on the screen. The website's on the screen. Reach out to Roy Cook. Tell him you heard about it on someone you should know. And now that we've taken care of business... It's back to discussion with Brian Ball. Brian, I reached out to you because you are a veteran. I thank you for your service. Uh, you are also a patriot. And uh, we are going to, we're going to have a little bit of uplifting discussion this morning. And uh, with all that's been going on in Afghanistan, uh, you told me your life's an open book and, and, and everything's on the table. So I think we may get into a little bit of discussion about, about Afghanistan. Um, I want you to start by telling our audience a little bit about Brian Ball. Where are you from originally? Uh, where'd you grow up? I think you're a native Texas boy. And uh, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, what your life is all about prior to joining the Army. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I grew up in Grapevine, Texas, uh, back when it was a small town. Uh, you know, for anybody listening that's familiar with that area, it's all kind of grown together. Um, barely find my way through there anymore, but <laughs> but, but it was a great place to grow up. And all the stuff that kids, you know, used to do and, and probably I don't know if they do anymore, but like running through the woods and uh, going to the lake and fishing all summer. And you got to drive around. 50 miles to find the woods now. <laughs> yeah, you sure do. Seems that way for sure. Um, but yeah, it was just a great place to grow up. Um, uh, graduated from uh, Colleyville Heritage High School, uh, 2002 and uh, kind of bounced around town a little bit was, was worked in a body shop for a while um some in, little jobs here and there um and finally just finally decided to join the military and and what prompted your decision because back in uh in 2002 you said you graduated from high school so about that time i mean we were we were already into the war in iraq um and what what was it that said to you i'm going to go into the military well honestly i, I it's something i'd been wanting to do since i was a kid um and it was really more something to stop me from going in so my uh late my later high school years my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and had really kind of as moms will do she didn't want me to go into the into the military especially at a in a time of war um, she, she knew me pretty well, and she knows that if, if that's going on, that I'm, I want to be at the front, and I don't want to hang out in the back, and I was going to do something crazy, like jump out of planes and want to shoot machine guns and go door to door, you know, and, and she was right, and so, <laughs> um, but we'll get into that in a minute, I guess. Um, anyway, she kind of convinced me to, to hold back, try some other things. And so, uh, so I did for a few years and I didn't end up joining until 2007. She figured if you were going to go in the military and you had a fascination with working on cars that maybe you just go into the maintenance, you know, that wasn't your idea. No, absolutely not. I also grew up, uh, you know, shooting guns and stuff with my, my family We're we're big firearms family. And, uh, I've been shooting since I was probably four or five and, love doing it and she knew she knows if i have the chance to shoot some cool stuff that i would never would have the chance to shoot again i'm all over that so <laughs> <laughs> so you went into service where 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 did you uh start your service so i, I started at fort benning um in the infantry uh and then did airborne school um spent a little time in rip um i think it's at least i think it's rope now formerly rip um, um, didn't work out so well for me there, but I ended up going and, um, joining the, I was with the 173rd airborne out of Vicenza, Italy is where I spent the majority of my time. I had a, do you happen to know Patrick Cromery? No, uh, it doesn't sound familiar. Uh, Patrick Cromery had, had been a guest on my show. Patrick Cromery is probably close to. Well, I don't want to uh, want to age him, but I know he's beyond 50 years old. And he also was with the 173rd out of Vicenza, Italy. Uh, oh. And he has been working his butt off because he wants to go on record as being the oldest paratrooper uh, with the 173rd to, to make a successful jump. Uh, so in his 50s and maybe approaching 60 now, he's, he's, uh, he's planning on doing that. 
but oh, very uh, cool. Yep. Uh, he's, he, he's, a he's a, he's a crazy guy, you know, jumping out of airplanes and stuff like that. And I, I guess anybody that jumps out of airplanes and stuff has got to be a little bit crazy, a little bit, uh, but, but, you know, I mean, it was challenging for you. So you were working, you were based out of, uh, uh, uh Italy for a while. Then, then what progressed with you and your unit, uh, while you were over there? So I, I got there in, Oh, I guess it was October, I think, of 07. And when I got there, the unit was already deployed. Um, and so I, I, I was there for about a month, um, did some, some a quick workup in, sorry, light just turned off there. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> did a quick workup in Germany on my way out. Um, and like I said, within about a month, I was on, on the ground in Afghanistan um, and kind of pretty much went through with a few other guys that had come over with me and met up with my unit um in the in where they were operating so you you were in in afghanistan what year was that so we're, we're up to what about 2004 that was 2007 Two, oh, 2007 how long of a deployment were you in afghanistan and did you go back to italy or to germany so that was, uh, for me, it was about a 10, month, 10 or 11 month deployment. Um, for the unit, it was a 15 month deployment. So they had been there for a little while uh, when I caught up with them. Um, when we did redeploy, we did go back to Italy for about a year, a little over a year. And then we did a second deployment in 2009. In 2009, that was your second deployment, and that's where where your personal story gets gets not only interesting but uh, borderline scary. Yeah, because that second deployment in 2009, what happened? Yeah, so I mean, we had we had a lot of contact on the first one, um, and and you know, as as the military goes, I end up being one of the more seasoned guys in the in my platoon uh, for the second one because of that. Um, and so I was, I was the one out in front leading patrols and, and such you know, on that second one. And a, a few weeks in, wasn't, wasn't very long at all. Um, I think we'd only been in country six weeks or so. Um, and I was only a couple of weeks there in the, we were in the Tangy Valley, if anyone knows where that is. Um, We'd only been there for a couple of weeks and I was leading a patrol and stepped on a IED. And uh, all in all, didn't do as much damage as, as you're probably thinking, but it was uh, it was four mortar rounds buried in a wall and um, I was almost right on top of it. I can't I can't even imagine what what goes through your head when something like that happens because uh, you know, for those that are watching and listening and all that may not be totally familiar, explain what an IED is. And, and, and I'm just going to ask you straight up front, what, what was the circumstance when you and your unit approached that, that device? Uh, so an IED improvised explosive device, um, you know, it's a, just made up of different things. Um, and it happened to be buried in a, in a mud wall that was kind of separating, it was being used more like a fence, separating um, some fields. Um, and yeah, the story is I was, I was walking through and saw an old uh, corroded battery 
sitting on a wall and you know trash doesn't really sit around over there um so i had a knife and i tried to kind of dig into the wall a little bit see if i could find a wire um it, but it's hard it's about hard as concrete um so no success there had a whole patrol behind me sitting on uh, open on a road um, that we had to get off the road and so i got the order to keep moving forward and when i did there was an adjacent wall that had um, the mortar rounds buried in it um i was later told it was four 82 millimeter uh, Chinese mortars, um, which, which is about a mid-size mortar. Um, and um, the guy was about uh, a thousand yards off or so and uh, with a wire connected it. And so he set it off on me. Um, I was again later told that there was a secondary in front of where I got blown up. Um, that, was, that was the one that was meant for me. Um, and the one that actually got me was meant for our command element because um, they knew our spacing and everything else. Um, and the fact that I had dug around in the wall, I think he just got nervous and took what he could get. Were you the only one at that incident that, that was, was, uh, uh, was injured? I was. I was. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, you know, but the units are made up at that time. I was 24. Four, I think. And, um, you know, I had a team full of 18 year olds. So I'm, I'm glad it was me. I'm glad it was that I was the only one. And uh, for a bad situation, it really did work out the best way it could have. So were you conscious through this, this whole thing? Or when, when this thing went off, it just kind of, kind of put you into shock and, uh, and you went out? <laughs> Well, that, that is kind of an interesting story there because I, you know, I was stepping off, I was in mid-step off of the wall when it went off. And I remember just kind of seeing like everything went really dark in an instant. And then all of a sudden everything was clear again. This is how I remember it, of course. Um, and I was laying on the ground and I, I was kind of just confused. At, at, I said, you know, did I just fall over? Like what? And don't remember it what on earth happened and when i went to kind of roll over and stand up that's when i saw that um you know my glove was busted open and there was a lot of blood coming out and that's when i realized i'd been i'd been hit and um i should probably lay there for a minute <laughs> so when i recognized that our medic was next to me and um i was later again later told that i had been blacked out for a little while and i just didn't there was a, a section of time there that that is just gone for me so somebody was watching over you uh you 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 do have some residual you know physical issues uh and yeah. all i i i believe and i mean it, it it's your call but i i believe that you have uh, uh injuries to one of your hands um yeah. and uh and missing <laughs> missing a finger there so you know can you still palm a basketball Oh, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> go softball. <laughs> softball. I still softball. Yeah, but I can uh, still I can still shoot and I can still type and I can still do anything that I really need to do. Uh, are you right-handed? Very, very right-handed. Okay, so did you have to learn to use your left hand uh, uh, through through this this time? Are you ambidextrous now, or you just know how to write with your right hand now? Just a little you different. Know, I was lucky enough to get coddled uh, by a beautiful woman who's now my wife um, <laughs> a 
when, when I got hurt and she, um, she signed a lot of things for me, signed me into a lot of, a lot of clinics and things like that. Uh, because she saw me try to do it with my left and felt bad for me and took over. <laughs> well, and, and that is, that is a fascinating part of the story. And I want to get to that, but you were from, from the scene, you said the medics were right there. You were medevac where, uh, uh, for recovery. Um, so I was originally medevaced. Um, uh, it took about 45 minutes or so for the medevac to come in because we were, we were still taking fire, um, right. after the explosion. Um, and so when the med, when, when the Blackhawk came in, it took, originally flew me out to a little, to a, a better aid station than we had at our local area, a place called Fob Shank that is, I don't believe there anymore. Well, obviously none of them are there anymore. Right. Right. Um, um, and then from there, that's where they put me out. Uh, from there, they flew me to, um, uh, to Bagram air base for just a real short while, then to Germany and Longstuhl. And then within three days, I was at Walter Reed in Washington, D.C. What were the extent of your injuries, you know, be, beyond, beyond uh, the, obviously the injury to your, to your right hand? So, yeah, so originally, so this is the hand. They um, originally, they wanted, they took the middle finger out is what they took. And they wanted to take the index and the pinky as well. Um, and I didn't want them to take any of them. Uh, they had to show me some pictures from the OR as to even get the middle one. Um, but there was also, you would think I'd have lost leg or, or something like that, but legs are fine. Um, I, I, you know, broke one of my kneecaps. Um, yeah, I have some, uh, some shrapnel scars and some burns, um, in my thighs and abdomen, um, abdomen. Uh, they took out half of my colon, um, for just because it was kind of shredded. Um, you know, all the other things that go with the TBI, um, or go with the explosion like TBI, um, some, you know, some vertebrae got a little shifted and rocked, um, all in all, um, uh, as far as only losing a finger on something like that is, is really, you're right. Somebody's looking over me. You mentioned, you mentioned TBI, and again, for those that are watching and listening who may, may not be familiar, that's a traumatic, traumatic brain injury. Uh, and I'll, what were you know what happened there, and uh, is there any residual uh, effect from that that you have? Uh, depends on if you ask me or my wife, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, no, I think I, I think I've gotten by pretty well. So. Um, I was a little worried about that, but when I got, eventually got out, I went back to school and I had no issues, um, getting through that. And so, uh, you know, I get, so the thought honestly, process or memory retention and everything that, that wasn't affected. Uh, you know, my memory is not the best, but I don't know if it's just cause I got a, a busier life now than I used to, or if it's really a result of that. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I think that probably the bigger issue is, um, and I don't know if there's a correlation in this, but I think there's something to when your central nervous system gets rocked like that, um, you know, gets like some, every once in a while you get like a hot flash comes out of nowhere, you know, you get like weird stuff like that. Um, but all in all, nothing that's, that's not pretty easy to get. Around. You able to, to, to cope with any of, uh, any flashbacks or, uh, uh post-traumatic stress, any of that? You know, um, 
I might be in my own school of thought on that one, but I don't, um, I don't think I have it. Um, you know, the, I think I'm definitely more vigilant than your, you know, your average civilian walking around, uh, as I think probably most military people are, you know, you get trained to have your head on a swivel and that doesn't really leave you, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Right. Um, you know, all in all, I don't, I don't, I don't think that it, anything I did overseas was the wrong thing to do. Um, I don't have any regrets about anything I did. Um, and I just, I don't, I sleep pretty well at night. Well, you know, you and I share a, a, a little bit of something in common because I'm a Vietnam veteran. And uh, to, to this day, and I'll ask you the question because it, it does affect me, loud noises still do affect me. Uh, and I'll, uh, 4th of July is not one of my favorite holidays. Uh, in fact, even if my wife uh, drops a piece of silverware on the, on the floor or something, I, I, to this day, I will still jump a little bit. Uh, the, the VA has said, yeah, it's probably a mild form of post-traumatic stress, but gosh, anybody that's ever been in any kind of a traumatic situation and all can suffer what we now call post-traumatic stress. Do you find yourself the, the same way that, uh, that, you know, even though you're a guy who likes to go out and shoot guns, uh, and all loud sounds, do they still, you know, uh, affect you in any way? Um, the really high pitched ones do, um, they just, they make, I mean, again, it's probably part of the TBI or something, but like real high pitched stuff, it just, man, it makes my ears ring and, and, um, almost makes them feel like they're bleeding sometimes. Um, it's, it's a weird feeling. Um, but if I, you know, 4th of July, um, you know, explosions, guns, stuff like that, if I know it's coming, it doesn't really I'm, I'm just used to it, I guess. I don't know. Right. Maybe I, maybe having been used to stuff like that since I was so little is probably helps with that. Um, but it just, it just doesn't bother me that much. Um, obviously if I don't, if I'm not ready for it, then that's a little bit of a different story. Yeah. And that sometimes happens on the 3rd of July. Some people yeah, get, for sure. you know, want, want to get started early and everything. And so it catches you a little bit off guard. Like you said, you're, you're, you're waiting for it. Uh, I want to go. I want to go back a little bit to to is it, I guess it was at Walter Reed or something where where uh, uh, your wife who now who now is your wife uh, what she was a girlfriend at that time and when you were injured what, what where where was that relationship on the day that you uh, that you stepped on the IED. So we, I mean, we were boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, you know, we had we had, had many conversations and had plans uh, to try to make something happen. When I came home for R and R, maybe you know, even maybe even go over to Vegas and have Elvis do it, something like that. You know, and, <laughs> thank you very uh, much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, it, but it just didn't work out that way. And so she, um, you know, when I, it's funny because she loves this story because, um, you know, my dad was the first one to get the call. Um, by that point, my mom had, had passed. And so my dad got the call and was in, um, was on his way to DC, uh, when he called and let her know, um, that I had been hit and, uh, you know, her dad bought her a ticket and said, you know, you need to be there. Um, even though my dad was saying, Hey, he's going to, 
the doctors say that you know when he wakes up he's not going to recognize anybody there's no there's no point in being here now um but she wouldn't listen to that and she was going to be there and sure enough the the second i opened my eyes she was the first person i saw and i was like hey babe what's going you know and so she she loves that story um and so uh that was see i was hit on december 22nd of 2009 um i woke up on christmas day of 2009 and we were married on february 10th of of 2010 yeah right well she yeah. was oh no i'm sorry february 10th what? was the original day we're married on february 26th of 2010 so just a couple months i was i had been outpatient for um not really not even a month yet and and so was that that was basically the end of your military service where you you uh, uh discharged at that point no i did i spent uh so i spent a month inpatient um doing surgery a lot of surgeries uh, and then i spent the next year doing outpatient surgeries and rehab and recovery um, and then it kind of came to the point where I needed to, to start the med board because um, they wanted me to be as good as I was going to get before I went down that path. Um, and I, I made the call to go ahead and transfer back to Texas to um, Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio because I just didn't have any desire to get out in D.C. Um, nothing against D.C. It's just not home. Um, right. And. I wanted to be back in Texas. And so uh, they, they transferred me back to Fort Sam and I started the med board process then. Um, that is a long, arduous process. And I didn't actually get out until um, April of 2013. I think the, 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 the most amazing, and we, we almost just passed right over it. Jessica was there when you, when, when you woke up and I mean, it was like, <laughs> I can only imagine she looked down in your face and says, buddy, you ain't getting away. You said you got <laughs> married two months later. And I mean, you're still in recovery and yeah. all, and you're, and, and, and you're th thinking, was your first thought, hell yes, uh, uh, I want to get married now. Or, or, you know, were you, were you at a point where I, I, I'm not sure what's going on yet here? Uh, you said she was a pretty she was and probably still is a pretty much take charge kind of a person. She well, she yeah, she is. She absolutely is. She's a she's an OR nurse now, and she said that I'm a, really a big yeah a big part of her motivation for doing that. So she um, you know she, she got to kind of work on me and and keep keep me patched up in the our room there and uh, at Walter Reed. Um, we got back to Texas. She, she did some teaching for a little while. Uh, and then when we had started having kids, we have three kids. And when we had our second and third, she stayed home. And so, and if this doesn't tell you how incredible she is, she, you know, she raised, stayed home with the three girls and, um, decided about two years ago that she wanted to get, go into nursing. Some, again, something she'd want to do for a long time, never, and it, the time was right that she wanted to pursue it. And so, of course, I encouraged that. And um, so she did online nursing school at night after raising three kids all day um, and now works for Baylor Dallas in the OR. Boy, I don't know who's the bigger hero, you or her. 
her, hundred <laughs> percent. Hands hands down, you got the answer to that question. Yeah, easy. So you got you got three girls. That that in itself is a challenge. How old are they now? Uh, nine, five, and three. Nine, five, and three. Oh boy, have you got some days ahead of you? My, yes, sir. My my wife my wife is uh, is the middle of three daughters. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, my wife is the youngest of three. Oh three really? Daughters. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right, so she kind of knows what's what's coming. Yeah, but I don't. I'm an only child, and I grew up with all boys. <laughs> I'm as lost as I've ever been. <laughs> but yeah, I I gotta I gotta believe that you're in seventh heaven though with those with those four ladies in your life. Oh yeah, they take good care of me. They keep me honest for sure. That's <laughs> so. You know, you you are now. Uh, uh, into the uh, about what 2014 we're, we're up to and all and now you're you're out of the military uh, what does Brian decide he's going to do what's what's the next challenge in your life uh, you're married now and, and and by this time you have what one child already so I had I had one child while I was still in um, and, and finally decided that, you know, I tried talking to some of the different government agencies about going to work for them and they all wanted a degree, which I didn't have yet. And so, uh, the choice to go back to school became pretty easy for me. Um, so I, I started off as engineering, um, on engineering track. And when I realized that I was spending more time at school, um, that, than I was with my newborn daughter um I, I wasn't a fan of that and so uh, I switched over to the business school and never looked back and um by the time I finished school we had the other two kids and <laughs> and so it was a busy it was a busy few years for sure so um I, I think I eventually trans when we got back up here to the DFW area I finished at, uh, school at um, UTA uh, University of Texas Arlington and uh, I did a finance degree uh, and an MBA, um, just knocked them out as quick as I could uh, so I could get to work, start making some money, support the family. At, did you at any point feel that, you know, what, what you experienced in, in Afghanistan was going to maybe hinder your ability to get those degrees? Uh, or were you just so determined and also your mental faculties were, were so intact that, that you were able to handle it without a lot of challenge? I mean, it's definitely a, it's definitely a, a it's just a different type of challenge. You just, you know, just got to gear up and, and adapt, you know, adapt, improvise, right. overcome. Right. So, um, it's, it was definitely, uh, culturally, it was, um, an eye opener, I think. Um, you know, that, that's, that was probably the biggest thing is, you know, the, the average college kid, I think is just, you know, I, anytime I would mention it, you know, they would, you know, I would get comments like, uh, oh, it's like call of duty or, you know, like a, a video game or, or in this movie. And it's like, man, like they'll have no idea. <laughs> they have well, no idea. And you're also one of the oldest people in your classes, probably. Uh, it's yeah. It, well, when I was doing my undergrad, definitely. Um, yeah. When I once I got to uh, the, uh, my graduate classes, is I was pretty, I was pretty much there. 
So you're and out of school now. You, you got your degrees and all. What what uh, what's next for for you? What uh, what did you do? You got now two kids at that at this point, or you got all three? I had three. I had all three by the time I graduated. You got a wife, day. three kids, a brand new degree. Trying to decide where am I going from here? Where did yeah. you go from there? Uh, so I ended up taking a job with a bank here uh, in McKinney, um, and I was underwriting uh, commercial loans for them. Um, and then I stayed with them for a little under two years, then moved to the bank that I'm currently at, um, where I took over the um, underwriting team and eventually moved into a commercial lender position. That's what I do now. Do you enjoy it? It's fun. It's fun to help people. Uh, it's fun to, um, you know, I always enjoy hearing people, what people are passionate about. And I'm sure I think this is something else we can probably relate on. Um, you know, it's, it's fun when you get to ask people about, cause when somebody owns a business, that's their baby. And it's fun when you get to ask them about it and you can just see them get excited and they want to tell you all the ins and outs of it, you know? And, um, and then when you get to help them grow that business, that is really cool. Do you get the feeling that it's a little bit of, of, of a little payback for you that a lot of people were, were there to help you and now this is your way of, of, of helping other people? I definitely try to make it that for sure. Um, you know, it, it, I could very easily not be here doing this at all. Um, and that's not lost on me. And so, um, you know, I have, it's an opportunity. I do try to make the most of the opportunity here. Um, I happen to work for a bank that kind of lets me pretty much do what I want to do. Um, gives me a lot of free reign. And so I, I really do try to focus my efforts on um, and, and make the most of it. And you, you uh, are with the uh, first, first United bank. Yep. Uh, and I'll want to make, make that, that known to the people that are listening and watching, because if uh, you need, what is it? Commercial loans you, you work mostly with. I'm a, I'm on the commercial side. We do a little bit of everything here, but I'm on the commercial side. All right. Well, you know, if you need somebody to help you with a commercial loan and all, you can reach out to, to Brian Ball at uh, uh, First United, isn't yep. it? Yep. It's an amazing story. It, it is an amazing story. And I'm, uh, I'm in awe of you. Um, you know, and I, I hate, I hate to, to, to be a cliche, Brian, but, you know, when I, I see you and I first met you through the uh, DFW Veterans Chamber of Commerce, uh, to, to hear, hear your initial story and everything, because we all introduce ourselves at the, at the meetings and, and who we are, but uh, it was the backstory that I heard. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm in the presence of a hero. And, I, and I, maybe, maybe you don't see that. Uh, have, other people, have other people called you that? I mean, I've heard it. Um, I typically, I don't really feel that way. Um, I mean, I think everyone's just just doing their job. So it's not. There's nothing heroic about it. You just you just do what you got to do to get back home and try to, um, again, just try to stay with the, your buddies next to you and protect them. And it's really all there is to it. Well, and the reason that I say that, and, and, and I, I see that heroism is because just like those that returned uh, from the Vietnam War, 
you had two paths to go down. You could either take a positive path to, to rebuild your life and, and accept every challenge that was in front of you, or the other path was a path of, of depression uh, and, yeah. and, and, and a feeling sorry for yourself and just let the system take care of you and, and, and whatever. And it is something that I think we as veterans have the biggest uh, uh, thought process and challenge, and that is to make sure that as many of our brothers and sisters who come back from, from service in, in the military try to find that positive path to go down to down uh, to rebuild their lives to to reach out to each other so that kind of leads me to my next thought process and that is the the news of the past week and or two and what's going on we're on now officially we are out of afghanistan uh there's all kinds of political viewpoints about it you know some people still are now calling us losers. Uh, other others are saying it was the right thing to do. For one who served there, for one who experienced what you you went through, do you feel that it was the right time and the right move for us to remove our troops from Afghanistan? I think I think that um, you know obviously we never wanted to be there forever. Um, so at some point you do, you have to pull out at some point. Um, I think that the route to that should have started 18 years ago. Um, I think that the, it, it was just, it, it was a war that wasn't, I just, I never thought the politicians let us fight it the right way. Um, even when I was there in 07, um, it, they tried to make it really diplomatic, um, from the political standpoint, even though, boots on the ground saw things very differently um and it, it was it was never a secret among uh, among throughout the military um it, it was just you know the, the the media didn't quite cover it that way and the politicians didn't spin it that way um you know at the end of the day as far as losing the war you know whatever it might be it's look the as the boot, look, the guys on the ground, regardless of, of why we joined, we're fighting for one another, right? And that that's a just cause, period. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? Um, as long as you do that, then you did the right thing. Um, the guys that were over there as of, I believe it was yesterday, was when the last bird took off, um, trying to rescue the right people as best they could, that's a just cause, good for them. Um, it, the politicians are the ones that lost this war and, and shame on them for, for trying to fight it the way they did. Um, it's, I think it's a shame the way, um, the way they handled it and the way they pulled out and left so many things to the enemy, um, and allowed them to, to use it as a, uh, the propaganda as a victory. Um, uh, to me, I feel like that's, for the buddies that didn't come home, I feel like that's a, you know, again, those buddies, they, they died doing the right thing. And I'm proud of them. Um, but I feel like the, that our um, so-called leaders of our country just spit in their family's face by doing it that way. You know, you, you have no idea how the words deja vu 
uh, are, are rolling around in my head because when, when we left Vietnam, it was because uh, we didn't lose the war. It just that, that our presence there just didn't mean anything anymore. The South Vietnamese, uh, they were the ones that seemed to be giving up. It appears to me that in Afghanistan over the last few years, the Afghans themselves were just not forward enough to want to control and defend their own country. And so it was like we were supposed to be there to do it for them. This, this warfare in Afghanistan was very much like, like Vietnam. The main difference with Vietnam was there was North Vietnam on one side and there was South Vietnam on the other side. And it, there were more defined battlefield lines. Uh, but what was very, very similar was in Vietnam, we also did not put the war in the hands of our military uh, leaders and say, you got a mission, go out and do it in whatever way you think is right, just do it. Uh, everything had to be approved back by Congress. And it seemed like there was a, a little bit too much political involvement again. Was it the right thing for us to pull out? Yes, I think, as you said, for a war to go on for 20 years, believe me, that war could have gone on for another 20, 30, 40 years and probably would have had the same outcome. The bad guys are more than willing to hunker down in the hills and just wait for the, for the right opportunity. So I think we needed to do what we had to do. And you can argue it till you're blue in the face as what the timing was. Uh, we're out now. We need, still need to go back and take care of uh, the, the odds and ends, and we will. But I thought, I thought we had learned from Vietnam, and I never thought I would see this country get involved in something like Iraq and Afghanistan, but we did. And the one thing that I can tell you is that those of us from Vietnam, and we're dying off at an alarming rate now, but we had a phrase was, you know, to never, never forget and never leave a brother behind. And I think that carried forward into Afghanistan. And I think that you will find that the uh, Iraqi and Afghan uh, veterans and all, they will form their own groups and everything and their own support groups and all to interact. But you, you can reach out to the Vietnam veterans for assistance and all anytime because we'll, we'll be there because we said we would never leave anybody behind. And I think that's a fair thing that we can still say going forward. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it, it is kind of, yeah, I, I've always, uh, I've never liked the way the Vietnam vets were treated when they came home. I think that's a shame as well. Um, but, but so I think there's always been, even though we weren't treated that way, we, I feel like our generation has been treated extremely well. Um, but it's because of you guys that that happened. It, it's all every time you come home, and the, there's people there to greet you. It's a huge group of Vietnam vets. So I'm very appreciative for everybody that served uh, back then. Um, and and you're right. There is some. I can totally see the deja vu. I, I mean, never felt closer to y'all than I do now. So. Well, and I don't want to see see uh, anything that we went through happened uh, to your your generation. I don't want people, anybody, 
to, to look at our returning Afghan uh, veterans and saying, oh, you were part of that war that we lost. Uh, it, 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 it wasn't that way. This was not a win-lose situation. We were there to help, as there were other nations that were there to help the Afghans, you know, decades ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, we went into Vietnam because the French finally said, we can't, we can't, done, we've done all that we can do. And we went in, we did all we could do, and we left. Same thing in the Middle East. There have been other countries that have been there and tried to help and pulled out. We're just another one of them. And, and it's sorry to see that, that the world, you know, political situation is such that we still live with unrest. We, we can't live as brothers and sisters on one earth uh, together. There will always be conflicts, uh, you know, but gosh, I, I just hope that maybe we, we will finally accept the fact that the United States can't be the world's police force. Um, well, the scary, the scariest part to me is just the when you look at, at who we were fighting, um, it, it's very ideological, and Sam handing them this, uh, the so-called, I hate to call it a moral victory, but a um, ideological victory anyway, and, and then being able to use it as propaganda is just it's a stimulus to their movement, and it that's that's the part I hate. You know, I I fear that we're going to see more attacks, more, um, more hits, even on our soil, um, because of it. And that's what scares me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Brian, I, I can't thank you enough for your candor, uh, and, and, and openness, uh, as one veteran to another, uh, I, I, I wish you the very best. I am still, I gotta, I, before I end this program, I gotta tell you, how much in awe I am of your sweet Jessica. Uh, be, <laughs> I'll have to introduce you someday. <laughs> be, because, you know, and I've seen photos and the two of you are, are like, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Forrest Gump, you know, you're like peas and carrots uh, together and, Jenny. and, and, and with your three, three girls. And, and I, I understand uh, one little quote I, I happened to get through a previous conversation uh, when I reached out to you to confirm uh, uh, our, our uh, interview today, uh, you didn't get back to me for a few days. And so I wrote again to you and I said, but did you get my previous? And you, you said to me that you were out of phone and email range uh, for a few days because you were, you were out hiking through Arkansas. So yep. obviously what you went through in Afghanistan has not diminished your passion for the outdoors and getting out there and, and hiking and, and shooting and, and, and enjoying life. Uh, and, and you're to be commended for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it very much. And, and again, folks, you need any help with commercial loans and everything. There's, there's the guy to contact. And if you don't know how to contact him, you contact me and I'll hook you up. <laughs> that sounds good brian thank you very very much for spending some time with me uh today on someone you should know you definitely are someone you should know and for those that are watching the show uh thank you for uh this little bit of uh, shifting that we had to do to get the program on uh and I'll, i always say go out and be yourself because everyone else is taken and i firmly believe that and i think brian will back me up on that also 
So you 100%. all go out and make it a good day. Thanks for spending time with us on Someone You Should Know. Go out and make it a great day. Thanks again, Brian.